because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You may be seated. Good morning. So good to be together this morning. Appreciate the time we've been able to spend in worship. Appreciate those who have led us in our worship. It's certainly been encouraging and uplifting. I'm looking forward to this time of Bible study that we're going to be able to enter into together. If you're not there in your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, if you'd like to follow along with me, we're going to be studying this morning in verses 1 through 18. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. This morning we're going to be studying in what we oftentimes call the prologue of John's gospel, the introduction to John's gospel. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Whenever I was younger, and I would go out with my parents in public, whenever we would go to a restaurant or the grocery store, it seems like it never failed. They would always run into somebody that they knew. So, of course, they would have to stop and talk to him for just a few minutes. Usually, it only lasted a few minutes. Of course, as a kid, those few minutes felt like, more like an eternity. The whole time, I would stand there silent, not saying a word, staring a hole through the person that they're talking to, the whole time, the question was constantly running through my mind, who is that person? Who is he? Who is she? Why did we have to stop and talk to them? Usually I would wait till the conversation was over, and my parents and the person they were talking to were about to go their separate ways. It's like I couldn't hold it in anymore. At the top of my lungs, it's like I would yell, Mom, Dad, who is that? Who is that person that you were talking to? Of course, they were trying to calm me down. They didn't want me to embarrass them. The person they were talking to was still just a few feet away. They could still hear and see everything that was going on. They would usually quietly try to explain to me who the person was. Usually it was something like, well, we used to go to church with them. In fact, I got that answer so much that whenever I got up a little bit older... Whenever I got just a little bit wiser, I started assuming that. Oh, well, we just used to go to church with that person and I wouldn't even ask. Maybe you found yourself in a situation like that before. Maybe you've experienced that from my perspective, the perspective of a kid, and you're standing there wondering who in the world your parents are talking to, taking a good opportunity to embarrass them. Or maybe you've experienced this from my parents' point of view. And you're trying to stop your child from completely embarrassing you again. Keyword again, right? Because it's not the first time. It's probably not going to be the last time. Trying to stop them from embarrassing you, quietly trying to explain who that person is and how you know them. This morning, as we study in the first 18 verses of John's Gospel, I want us to ask the question, who is Jesus. I came across a pretty interesting statistic on reference.com. It said that over the course of your life, you're probably going to meet and know about 10,000 people. 
That's a lot of people, isn't it? I think that's like the population of Mayfield. We meet, we know a lot of different people. Think about the people that you've met. The people you met in school. Elementary school. Middle school. High school. College. Think about the, per- the people you know from your job. The people you know from your family. The people that you've met from being a member of the Lord's church. We meet and we know a lot of different people. Here's my question though. What does any of that matter if I never know who Jesus is? We can meet, we can know as many people as we want to, but none of that is going to matter if we never meet Jesus. If we never come to know Jesus and to understand His identity, who is Jesus? For the next few minutes, let's have a conversation with the Apostle John. Let's ask John that question, who is Jesus? It seems that's a pretty important question to John. It's a question that he asks and addresses within the first 18 verses of his Gospel. And really, it's a question that he answers in the very first verse of his Gospel. Who is Jesus? Here's John's answer. John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning. Already, that recalls something that we're familiar with, doesn't it? That recalls something that we know. You remember how the Bible started all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1? In the beginning, same phrase, God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis, Moses is recording the beginning of the old creation. The creation that was corrupted and devastated by sin. Whenever we go to John chapter 1 and verse 1, in contrast to that, John is explaining the beginning of the new creation. The new creation that has been brought to life through Jesus. It's pretty interesting. If you read Matthew or Luke's Gospel, they begin the story of Jesus with His miraculous birth in Bethlehem. If you go to Mark's Gospel, he begins the story of Jesus by talking about His baptism in the Jordan River. John begins the story of Jesus by going back a lot farther than that. He begins telling the story of Jesus by going back to the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Who is Jesus? John answers our question, doesn't he? Jesus is the Word. Which that's actually one of John's favorite ways of referring to Jesus. You find it throughout his writings. If you skip down just a few verses, we read it a minute ago in John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, what happened to that Word? What did that Word do? The Word became flesh. God came to earth in the form of a human being. And John says, as an eyewitness, He dwelt among us. We've seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you go to the first verse of John's letter, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning what? The Word of life." Referring to Jesus. Then you go to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13, John describes Jesus. It's a description of how Jesus looked. He says, He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which He is called is what? The Word of God. Who is Jesus? John 
provides a pretty clear answer for us. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We could stop the sermon right there, couldn't we? We could get out and go to lunch early. Who's Jesus? He's the Word. Case closed. While ending the sermon right here might get us to lunch a little bit earlier, I would argue it's not going to help us to know Jesus any better. If we were to end our study right here, in my opinion, we haven't gone far enough. We need to go just a little bit deeper than that. Think back to how we started. Whenever I'm with my parents in the grocery store as a little kid, or in a restaurant, they meet somebody that they know, and and they're talking to that person. When I finally ask the question, who is that? What if my parents would have said, oh, he's just a human being. Yeah, she's she's just a person. That's all you need to know about her. Do you think I would have been content with that answer? I know me. I know I wouldn't have been content with that answer. Well, of course he's a human being. Of course she's a person, but that doesn't tell me what I want to know. I need you to take some steps beyond that. I need you to give me some more information. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. But let's take a few steps beyond that. What does it mean for Jesus to be the Word? Whenever John identifies Jesus in this way, using this term, what does he mean? When you look at the Greek word that's translated as word in John chapter 1 and verse 1, and you think about the ancient world, it was used in a lot of different ways to refer to a lot of different things by a lot of different people. Let me give you just a few examples. Heraclitus, who was a philosopher who lived about 500 years before Jesus, said that the word referred to the universal law, the principle which orders our world. It keeps everything in order. The Stoics, a group of Greek philosophers, viewed the Word as the rational principle by which everything exists. Philo talked about the Word as being the ideal man or the ideal person. Others talked about the Word as referring to reason, logic, science, or speech. Here's my suggestion though. In thinking about what it means for Jesus to be the Word, what if we allow the Bible to interpret itself? What if we allow the Bible to interpret itself by going back to the Old Testament and seeing what the Old Testament has to say about this? Who is Jesus? That's our overall question. And John says, I want you to know that Jesus is the Word. But okay, John, what does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be the Word? Well, let's go back to the Old Testament and find out. Let's allow the Bible to interpret itself. In the Old Testament, God's Word was associated with Him in at least three ways. Number one, according to the Old Testament, Jesus being the Word means that Jesus is the Creator. We quoted Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 a few minutes ago. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When you continue reading throughout that chapter, you find that God's Word is closely connected with creation. Genesis 1 and verse 3 sets up a pattern that we find throughout the rest of the chapter. And God said, how did God create the world? This is the first day. You see it throughout the five other days. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Psalms 33 and verse 6 echoes this. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of His mouth, all their hosts. When God created the universe, He didn't have to pull out His toolbox and build things. 
He didn't have to roll up his sleeves and use his hands in order to form everything that we see and experience on a daily basis. No, according to Psalms 33 and verse 9, he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. In the Old Testament, God's Word was closely associated with creation. So what does it mean for Jesus to be the Word? According to the Old Testament, Jesus being the Word means that Jesus is the Creator. And John wants us to understand that. Look at John chapter 1 and verse 3. John says, "...all things were made through Him." Through Jesus, the Word. Not just some things. Not just a majority of things. All things were made through Jesus, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Skip down to verse 10. He, Jesus, was in the world, and what? The world was made through Him. Yet the world did not know Him. Who created the world? Who created the universe? In our Bible classes, we're trained to say God created the world. God created the universe. In these texts, we find that there's more to it than that. That Jesus is the agent through whom God created all things. As the Word, Jesus is the Creator. Without Him, nothing was made that had been made. Paul agrees with that. In Colossians 1 and verse 16, for by Him, by Jesus... All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. According to the Old Testament, Jesus being the Word means that Jesus is the Creator. Number two, according to the Old Testament, Jesus being the Word means that Jesus is the Revealer. Because once again, when we go back to the Old Testament, God's Word was also closely associated with revelation. His Word is how He made His will known. We see that in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. Jeremiah says at the very beginning of, of his book, when God called him, the Word of the Lord came to me saying. In Ezekiel 33 and verse 7, God says, whenever you hear what? A word from my mouth. You shall give them warning from me. And then Amos chapter 3 and verse 1. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel. In the Old Testament, God's word was associated with revelation. God would reveal his word to his prophets, and then his prophets would turn around and reveal his word to his people. According to the Old Testament, Jesus being the word means that Jesus is the revealer. John wants us to understand that too. John wants us to make that connection. Look at verse 18. The very last verse we read in our Scripture reading, the last verse of the prologue, he says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. God is invisible to us. We've never seen God, so how can we come to know Him? If God is invisible, how can we know what He likes and what He doesn't like? How can we know His commandments? How can we know His expectations? If God is invisible, if we've never seen God, then how can we know His character? How can we know His nature? And John gives us the answer in verse 18. Look at Jesus. The only God 
who is at the Father's side. Jesus has an intimate relationship with the Father. He knows the Father. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the Father's bosom. Therefore, He's the one who's qualified to make Him known to us. Isn't that what a Word does? Our words reveal our invisible thoughts. Who's Jesus? What does He do? He's the Word who reveals to us the invisible Father. Hebrews, in Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, the Hebrews writer puts it this way, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in contrast to that, in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son. If we want to hear the voice of God, we have to listen to the voice of Jesus. If we want to see the face of God, then we have to take a minute to look at the face of Jesus as the Word. Jesus is the revealer. He's the one who makes the Father known. The next verse in Hebrews says this, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. When we look at Jesus, we see one who is radiating God's glory. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. It's like if you take your hand, put it down in wet cement. Have you ever done that? You pull it out, you let it harden over a few minutes, you can still see the imprint of your hand. The Hebrew writer wants us to know that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. It's like God took His hand and put it in cement, and what we see is Jesus. Jesus reveals perfectly to us the Father. What the Father likes and doesn't like. What He commands, what He expects, His nature and His character. Number three, According to the Old Testament, Jesus being the Word means that Jesus is the Savior. In the Old Testament, God's Word was closely associated with creation. It was closely associated with revelation. But it was also closely associated with salvation. God used His Word in the Old Testament times to save, to deliver, to rescue His people from very difficult circumstances. For instance, if you go to Psalms 107 and verse 20, the psalmist says that God sent out His Word and what was the result? He healed them and He delivered them from their destruction. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11, God is talking about how the people, His people Judah, are going to return from Babylonian captivity. He's going to bring them back with joy and comfort and singing. How is He going to do it? Verse 10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, look at this, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. In the Old Testament, God's word was associated with salvation, deliverance, rescue, joy, peace, comfort, and singing. According to the Old Testament, Jesus being the Word means that Jesus is the Savior. Again, John wants us to make the connection. Look at chapter 1 and verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Look at verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone, or the true light, which enlightens every man, was coming into the world. And then look at verse 11. 
He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. In the midst of darkness, Jesus is the One who enlightens every man. In the midst of death, Jesus is the One who gives life. He's the One who gives us the right, the privilege to be called children of God, to be adopted into His family, to be called His sons, and to be called His daughters. As the Word, Jesus is the Savior. Which John, a little bit later in his life, 1 John 4 and verse 14, wrote these words, We've seen and testify that the Father sent His Son. Why? What's the purpose? To be the Savior of the world. The Rescuer. The, the Deliverer. The One who throws out the lifeline. It's a question of utmost importance. It's a question that has eternal consequences. Who is Jesus? John gives us a beautiful and powerful answer in the first verse of his Gospel. Jesus is the Word. But yet, let's take one step beyond that. What does it mean for Jesus to be the Word? And when we go back to the Old Testament, when we allow the Bible to interpret itself, we find that Jesus is the Creator. Jesus is the Revealer. Jesus is the Savior. heard a story one time about a grandmother driving her granddaughter through Nashville. And they came up on a Krispy Kreme shop. Anybody in here like Krispy Kremes? Yeah? Especially when the hot sign is on? They were driving through Nashville. They came up on a Krispy Kreme. And the grandmother asked her young granddaughter, do you like donuts? Do you like Krispy Kreme? The granddaughter gave a pretty smart response. She said, Grandma, why are you asking me that? Are you asking me that just because you want to know? Or are you asking me that because you're going to get me some? Pretty smart response, right? Especially for a little girl. We sit down and we have a conversation with the Apostle John. John, who is Jesus? And John gives us this beautiful powerful, amazing description of who Jesus is. He tells us about Jesus' identity. But John, why? Why is this a question that you're addressing? It's like the granddaughter asked her grandmother, why are you asking me this? John, why are you telling me this? Why is this a question you're addressing in the first 18 verses? Why is this a question that you answer in the very first verse of your Gospel? Do you just want me to know more? Is this an intellectual exercise where I can know more facts about Jesus? Do you want me to just grow in my appreciation for Jesus? Is this just happenstance? John just so happened to start there? Well, we're at the beginning of John's Gospel. When you go close to the end of his Gospel, in John chapter 20, verses 30-31, through 31, he says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written. He says, Jesus said and did a lot of things that I didn't write down here. But He said, let me tell you why I wrote these things. Let me tell you why I chose these words. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you may have life in His name. For John, 
This is not an intellectual exercise. This is not just for information. For John, this is not just us growing in our appreciation for Jesus, and it's certainly not happenstance. John describes to us who Jesus is so that we can come to believe in Him. He tells us who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Word. And He explains everything that goes along with that so that each one of us individually can fall in love with Jesus. So that we can grow and begin and develop a dynamic relationship with the Creator, the Revealer, and the Savior. Ultimately, John wants us to know this so that we can spend an eternity with Jesus. So that we can believe in Him, place our faith and trust in Him, and ultimately have life in His name. When you read through John 1, John doesn't want you to hear that Jesus is the Creator, or the Savior, or the Revealer. John wants you to hear Jesus is your Creator. He is your Savior. He is your Revealer. Let me ask you, do you find yourself in a position this morning where you're not in the right relationship with Jesus? As a Christian? As a follower of His? Have you grown cold spiritually? Have you become complacent in your faith? Has Christianity become more about checking boxes than forming and growing in a relationship with Jesus? Remember the excitement that you used to have? Remember the passion that you had for Jesus when you were raised up out of the waters of baptism and you felt like you could conquer the entire world? Have you allowed that flame to die out? Is the passion, is the excitement starting to fade away? When we come face to face with who Jesus is, it should motivate us to change who we are. Coming face to face with Jesus' identity should produce in us a complete transformation. John, who is Jesus? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And let me tell you, everything that comes along with that, the Holy Spirit through John wants us to come face to face with the reality of Jesus' identity. And then when he gets to the end of his book, he takes a step back and says, now that you know this, how are you going to respond to it? How are you going to respond to it? How are these ideas going to change your life this week? How are you going to respond to it as you go out in the world, as you go to school, as you go to work, as you're around people who may not respect Jesus as the Lord? How are you going to respond to it right now, in this moment, as we stand and as we sing?